0: Hi guys, just had a quick message before we got started with the Randall Ford podcast. Just wanted to mention a really cool event that's happening this week out in Los Angeles called Inspired Live. It's happening Thursday, June 7th from 6.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. in Los Angeles. It's a presentation of different uh, designers and photographers, some of the leading people in the creative industry. We got people like Shaniqua Jarvis, photographer eric ray davison as well as senior art producer at 72 and sunny veronica rio Um, Just really cool presentations from some of the top people in the industry working today. Um, They're going to be talking about their work and different things that inspire them and their creative journey. So I just want to mention it to anybody in the Los Los Angeles area, um, I think it would be worthwhile to check out. Like I said, it's happening Thursday, June 7th from 6.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. Um, If you're interested, they still have tickets available. You can go to their website, inspiredlive.org, to purchase tickets. They still have some tickets available. I believe it's only $10, um, so definitely worthwhile to go check that out and uh, meet some different people in the industry. So yeah, definitely go check out their website at inspiredlive.org. Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Randall Ford. Randall Ford is a commercial and editorial photographer based in Austin, Texas, who specializes in photographing large-scale ad campaigns for brands such as L.L. Bean, Dr. Pepper, Valspar Paint, and Campbell's Soup, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Randall about how he went from getting a degree in business and then going on to pursue a career in photography. Randall is a photographer with a wealth of knowledge and experience so it was a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with him about all his experience in the photography industry. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. Randall Ford, um, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on here. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I guess just to kind of start off, I was just kind of interested, uh, where did you grow up, and like, how did you kind of get into photography initially? Sure. So I I grew up in Dallas, Texas. And when I was a,
1: maybe a, a, a junior in high school, I took a black and white photography class. And um, I, I really loved it. I really, you know, it was kind of the start of, I guess, falling in love with photography. Mm. But what was kind of different for me than so many students, you know, of black and white photography is you know, at the time we were shooting film and we would spend all this time in the dark room, you know, making our prints and whatnot. But I, so many people loved that. But for me, it, that process was it, was, it was too slow and it wasn't as controlling <laughs> as I, as I didn't have, a, I didn't have as much control as I would have liked. Mm. And so what I ended up doing Um, this was right, I guess this this was early Photoshop. So this was like in, in the late nineties. So Photoshop was kind of just, kind of just going mainstream. So I was able to get my hands on a copy of Photoshop. And what I did was I started scanning my images and bringing them into Photoshop and manipulating them. Wow. Um, so, you know, this, this idea of, you know, digital photography has you know, it's always kind of been with me. Even though I I started, you know, I learned to shoot film initially, but this whole idea of you know working in Photoshop and you know manipulating an image has kind of always been kind of part of my my process ever since I kind of fell in love with photography. Mm. Um, so from there, I from there I took a from there I guess I I would say I took a couple of years off. I went to college. Uh, I went to Texas A and M and. Got a business degree, but when I was a when I was a sophomore at A and I, I started shooting for the school newspaper, okay. and that was kind of the second part of me, kind of you know falling for photography. And what was so great about it is that shooting for the school newspaper, we were shooting literally every single day. So I was shooting 35 millimeter film um, every day for you know that was that was about a year straight, and so I did that. And then, you know, a year after I started that is when the my I'm sorry the Canon 1D came out.
2: Yeah. And if you
1: remember, that is that's a, literally a four megapixel camera, I think. Yeah. And and it was like five thousand dollars. Oh yeah, it was it crazy. Fortunately, so I, <laughs> I was I I con, I convinced my parents to to loan me the money to to get this digital camera. And w- once I got my hands on that, I, I shot even more. I mean, and and the great thing about digital is that. I think you learn exponentially so fast. Mm. Um, once you start seeing images on the back of a screen or on a computer, it's like you just you you figure out like okay, you know these minor adjustments in exposure are making these major differences. Yeah, and yeah. so, um, so I got my hands in the digital camera, and then I from there I I, I continue to shoot for you know the school newspaper and student publications and. Um, I did a, I interned in Italy for a summer and, um, you know, I took the Canon 1D over there with a couple lenses and, you know, I just shot, 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 shot. And so that was kind of the, that was kind of how I got interested in photography. And then towards the end of my, towards the end of college, I, I started thinking I was, you know, and I was a business student and because A&M didn't even have photography. A, a photo program. Yeah, all they had was all they had was uh you know, journalism with a couple of photography classes. So I took those classes of course and then I was a TA for those classes for a couple of years and mm. um but I remember towards the end of college uh I I remember distinctly thinking like gosh, maybe I could maybe I could make a living doing this. Maybe I could follow my passion, you know, and and and, and make a living doing that. And so from there, I, I sought out mentorship and, you know, I, I, started to really try to learn, learn, learn the business. And this was, um, well, I guess at the time I was really following a lot of, you know, Texas centric photographers. So the guys that were shooting for Texas monthly a lot at the time. So, you know, Dan Winters, of course, oh, yeah. who's amazing. And, and Peter Yang, who's amazing. And, mm. I was following the the portrait work of these guys, um, and and that was kind of the I was I, I I kind of saw what they were doing, and then I I was able to kind of connect with some people in the advertising world, yeah. And so that kind of solidified kind of where I wanted to go as a young photographer. I you know decided that I wanted to be a mm. you know. Conceptual advertising photographer or conceptual portrait photographer.
0: Yeah, because, like, how you mentioned, you were going to school for business. Like, when you're, like, in college then, like, did you have an idea, like, what you thought you were going to do or before you kind of switched into photography? Like, what what did you think you were going to do when you are going to school for business?
1: I I really didn't. Um, You know, uh, when I was, um, you know, when I got... You know, further into my major, when I was a junior and senior in college, hmm. um, my my track within the business school was small business management and entrepreneurship. Wow. So, I, I think that I always would have done something with small business and something with entrepreneurship. And I, I truly, you know, I believe that being a you know photographer is is you know is definitely being a, an entrepreneur and you're running a, a oh, small yeah. business. Yeah. So having that you know, having that business mindset from the beginning of my career I mm-hmm. think was was hugely helpful in, in in my outlook and perception on you know the the jobs that I you know was was willing to do and
0: yeah I think it's I I, think, um, kind I think, of direction. Yeah. I think it's really smart you like went to school for business because I went to school for photography which I really enjoyed. I learned a lot, but they don't really teach mm-hmm. you any, any business stuff it's all technique, which is great. But, um, like you said, once you get out in the world and like, um, you're running a business, there's like so much to it. Like, it, it's like, like 10% of it is actually taking pictures and the other 90% is like marketing your work and like getting your name out there. So I would imagine, um, having that business degree, probably you feel like it helped a lot. I do. Yeah. Without a doubt. And even, even as I had graduated, I, I started to you know
1: read kind of some of the, you know, business books and whatnot. Mm. And that really, that really helped me with, with marketing because that was, I definitely knew the importance of marketing, like right when I got into photography and and that's always been, you know, uh, a a big part of, you know, me as a photographer is how I market myself and brand myself and um, and, and whatnot. So I was, you know, I was reading business books, you know, right out of college on,
2: Mm.
1: you know, on, on marketing and, And how to get your name out there and so I just I I pursued I pursued photography relentlessly um, with with a pretty solid I I think a pretty solid business mindset and I think that really helped me as I think it really helped me as a young photographer
0: yeah definitely and I guess like so once you finish um, college like what was kind of your first step into like getting into the photography world were you kind of assisting or like how are you kind of getting your work out there and uh, finding clients I guess
1: yeah, so I lived in Dallas. Uh, I graduated, and then I lived in Dallas for um, for about six months or so. And I I assisted local photographers there that I could kind of get in touch with. But it was tough to break into assisting
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, without much experience. Um, I mean, I I always kind of joke like I was like I, I was the worst assistant possible because I <laughs> I was so I was so obsessed with with making my own way and doing it myself. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know often never, never land thinking about, you know, what it would be like for me to be doing this, yeah. you know, for me to be the photographer. Yep. So, uh, but I did, I did develop some good relationships with, with photographers and now, uh, so I'm based in Austin. Now, what brought me to Austin actually was another photographer. So uh, Jack Hollingsworth, who um, uh, was kind of a lifestyle and stock photographer, he brought me down to Austin to, um to be his first assistant to be a full-time first assistant and second shooter. Yeah. And so, uh, and I had a portfolio pretty quickly out of college. So when I met with him, I showed him my portfolio and, you know, I don't know for sure, but I assumed that was part of the reason that he hired me is that I had a portfolio and I could second shoot for him because, you know, if you know anything about stock, it's, it's all about volume. And so mm-hmm. he, he, it was, it was, it was imperative that he had a second shooter. So that brought me to Austin and, uh, I, I, I didn't work for Jack too long, but it, it, it was a great experience working with him. And I got to shoot a whole, whole lot of, of lifestyle work when I was with Jack. And so it was, it was just great experience, um, just shooting so often. And that's what I tell photographers that are getting into the business is you just have to be shooting all the time. and And I was so obsessed with photography that I was just shooting relentlessly and, and then having these opportunities like to work with Jack and, you know, the second shoot that helped me even more to just be shooting and shooting and shooting.
0: Mm. And I guess like when you kind of branched off on your own, like who were kind of some of the first clients you started working with, like do you kind of remember some of your first assignments you got.
1: For sure. Um, I did some collaborations, you know, with smaller agencies in Austin, um, the Butler brothers, which are, uh, Marty and Adam Butler. Um, they own a small advertising firm in Austin and are some of the best guys in the business and they were both mentors to me um as i was you know getting trying to get my name out there um but some of my first clients were some of the you know agencies in austin like gsdnm and McGarry jesse yeah. um and then i did some work for the richards group in dallas okay. um i it's funny i um when i when i first moved to dallas after school i um, a, 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 a mutual friend connected me with somebody at the Richards Group, and uh, he was a one of their executive, um, one of their uh, the, you know creative directors, Glenn Dady, who's um, just a fantastic guy. And so um, he agreed to set up a meeting with me and you know flip through my portfolio and have a look. And so I show up at the Richards Group, you know. So keep in mind, I'm out of business school, not photography school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I sh- <clears throat> and I show up. You know, all my friends are like finance majors and you know CPAs yeah. and you know now lawyers. And so I show up at the Richards Group in like slacks, a crisp buttoned up shirt, and these like <laughs> you know black you know nice leather shoes. Yeah. And I like show up there, and I'm like, I look around, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I am so. I I look I I I just I look totally out of place. <laughs> um, and, and I was I, I knew it. And so I but but I I was able to meet with Glenn and you know having a creative director from an ad agency like the Richards group give you <clears throat> excuse me give me give you criticism mm. and flip through your book and try to help figure out like what what's what's working in here and what's not working. Yeah. Um was was hugely helpful. And that's another thing I <clears throat> encourage, you know people getting into the business is you need to find mentors Mm. that are going to look at your work and not just say, yeah, it all looks great. Cool. Keep, keep doing it. Mm. You need to find mentors that are saying like, you know, this doesn't really work and this doesn't work, but this works. Mm. So keep going this direction. And I, you know, I had a few, I was lucky enough to to have a a few really awesome mentors, Mm. um, when I was first starting out
0: yeah that's awesome do you kind of remember what you had in that first portfolio you started showing around like uh was it mostly like portraits and stuff or what kind of stuff were you shooting when you first started out it was mostly portraits um
1: that was always kind of a for for whatever reason when i found um portrait portraiture that was always kind of something that i really loved and so it was, it was mostly portrait work, um, but it was also a mishmash of kind of like some of my work from Italy, some of my lifestyle work with Jack. Mm. So it was just like a, I think everybody's first portfolio is kind of a mishmash of, of
0: yeah.
1: all kinds of stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like one thing I was going to ask you, like um, uh, looking at your website, you have like a really distinct style with everything you do. It's like really like clean, crisp, light, and a lot of stuff. And you do some really cool like compositing and stuff with some of your projects, Um did it, did it kind of take you a while to kind of develop that style, and is it something that's kind of continually evolving, or how did that kind of work out?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, it, I remember when I was um, getting into photography, someone sh- um, um, Marty Butler of the Butler Brothers agency in Austin, he showed me, I don't know if you're familiar with this guy, he showed me Sacha Waldman's work.
0: Oh, yeah, that guy's amazing.
1: Amazing, and he showed me his work, and he was one of the first guys that was kind of doing this real, like, illustrative, like, painterly look with mm, portraiture mm. and advertising photography. Yeah, and I saw that, and I was like, "Wow, that is that is so cool!" Like, I want to kind of go in that direction mm.
2: uh,
1: with with my photography to just give it a look. And I knew from having a background in business, I knew that like I needed to do something to stand out yep. because there's so much competition. If I didn't do something to stand out, then I would just get kind of lost mm. with all the other, other photographers. And so I, I, I saw his work and I, I, I tried to figure out how to do it, which was, especially at the time it was, it was really difficult. I mean, you couldn't just like, you know, look up something on YouTube or some forum and figure out like yeah. how this post-processing is working. Mm. I mean, it was just like tons of experimenting in Photoshop. And I mean, I would just spend like hours in Photoshop, just experimenting and trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I, how do I get this like crisp painterly look that has this almost like this, this hyper, you know, detailed, uh, aesthetic. Yeah. And, and, and over time, you know, I, I, over time I figured it out and it's a combination of, of lighting and post-production and, but to answer your question earlier that it's, it's a total evolution and it, and it's constantly evolving. Mm. You know, the, um, the work that I'm doing now is, you know, there's a little bit less of that, and you know, it's a little more in camera. Yeah, and I'm I'm drawn to work that's maybe a little more timeless now. But for what I was doing at that in that at at that stage in my career, it, w- it was important that I was kind of doing something a little trendy to get my to get my name out there because nobody was not nobody, but there just weren't that many people that were you know, applying this aesthetic to their work. yeah. And definitely. by doing that, I was able to kind of get my name out there a little bit, a yeah. little bit more effectively.
0: Yeah. Do you think it's like pretty important to kind of create like a niche, a niche for yourself in this business?
1: Yeah, I think especially as a, especially when you're young, it really is. Mm. You know, if you evolve into an advertising photographer that does portraits and lifestyle and conceptual work or conceptual landscapes, you know, that's fine over time as you develop a brand and a name name recognition, yeah. but when you're young, I, I mean, you have to specialize. I, I mean, in my opinion, you have to specialize so much that it's painful for you. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And what I mean by that is like, you know, be the guy that shoots. You know, you know only. Let's say you're a food photographer. Be the guy that specializes in photographing like citrus fruit.
0: Yeah, definitely. So when a job
1: comes up for like citrus fruit, like you're, the, you're guy. the guy to call, <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely, man. And,
1: and, and it also it also mitigates some risk um, from the people that are for the people that are hiring you because anytime you're hired for a job, that person or agency or creative is in a way they're placing their job in your hands and oh. they're entrusting that with you. Oh yeah. And you know if you have a really defined aesthetic, there's not going to be any surprises as to what they're getting. Mm. But if you have a portfolio where it's like loaded with like a jillion different looks like a a creative hasn't doesn't really know like what what they're what they're getting into and so especially with a young photographer you're kind of taking a risk Mm. so you know the more you can specialize as a young photographer the better
0: yeah definitely i agree and one thing i was gonna ask you is like being you're based in texas did you ever feel like any pressure to move to like NYC, New York city or like Los Angeles, mm-hmm. or like one of these big markets. Cause you know, there's like so many photographers that feel like they need to move out there. Um, did you ever feel any pressure or you've always just been kind of happy uh, working out of Texas?
2: Um,
0: I mean, yes and no. I, I think it
1: would have, I think I would have learned a lot of, you know, technical stuff. Um, if I was assisting in New York or LA, uh, for a couple of years, I think that could have benefited me in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause a lot of, a lot of my initial early learning was kind of trial and error. And it wasn't as much like assisting, you know, these big photographers, you know, on an ad set.
2: Mm.
1: And, uh, but, but on the flip side of that, being in a smaller market, like Austin, I was able to build some like brand recognition, a little bit quicker. Well, I think, a, I think a lot quicker than I would have been able to in a place like New York yeah. or LA. Yeah. Those markets are too big and the agencies are too big and they're just loaded with too many photographers. Mm. And so <clears throat> it really, again, as a young photographer, it really benefited me being in a small market. Yeah. And, and, and now, um, now I, I don't, I don't shoot in Austin as much as I'd like. Um, Now, most of my shooting is either in New York or L.A. Yeah,
0: that's funny. So, it's mostly
1: traveling to one of those two (laughs) places, which is, like, funny that I, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, that's interesting. But, yeah, I've always, like, like you said, Texas, there's, like, so many good ad agencies, like the ones you said you work for, like, uh, the Richards Group and, was it GSDM and... uh, Mm-hmm. Even, even, I've always loved, and I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I know when I originally contacted you about the project you did recently for Texas Monthly um, with the Exonerees, um, I know you've worked with Texas Monthly for a long time. Um, how's it been working for them? Because for me, like a lot, a lot of regional magazines can be kind of start to get kind of bland, boring, but Texas Monthly has just been one of those magazines that's just been amazing forever. Like, how's it been working for them?
1: Yeah, they've, they've always just been, I mean, I've since. You know, since DJ Stouts started, you know, was a creative director there years ago, and then, um, and then Scott Dadich, and then TJ Tucker, and now Emily Kimbro. Uh, it just is an awesome magazine, um, and they're in my backyard, so it's a it's a it's a great relationship to have, and it's it's, you know, it's 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 easy for me to shoot for them because I'm right I'm right here too, mm. um, but when my I mean, that was one of my goals when I got out of school and into photography. I was like, I want to shoot for Texas Monthly. I want to shoot covers for Texas Monthly. Yeah. And, and um, I, I marketed to, to them pretty strongly so much I probably bu- <laughs> bugged the hell out of them. Um, but I um, eventually, uh, the creative director at the time, TJ Tucker, he hired me to shoot a, my first cover with them. And that was kind of the start of a really great relationship. Hmm. On, on on kind of a, a series of covers for TJ that kind of developed, he kind of created kind of, he wanted to create kind of a new look for the magazine. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like every creative director for a magazine that comes in new, like they they want to kind of put their stamp on it and put their aesthetic on it. Hmm. And so, you know, at the time I was doing a lot of compositing work and a lot of this kind of, um, you know, I guess highly conceptual stuff. And he had, he had me shoot, you know, a bunch of covers for him in that, in that, in that realm. And it was, it was great.
0: Mm. Is the, I know you shoot a lot of advertising, but is the editorial work something you still enjoy doing as well?
1: I, I, yeah, I do. I really do enjoy it. The, the challenging thing about it is just,
0: it can, can
1: be, can be a budget issue. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're creating a, you know, if you're doing a portrait or if you're doing something that's fairly simple, it's not that big of a deal because it's just, it's my time and an assistant's time. Yeah. But you know, if you're doing a composite with, you know, a hundred different frames, you know, compiled together, all of a sudden, like, it, it just becomes exponentially more expensive and they're just hard costs that, like, I can't get around.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know,
1: whether, whether that's a retoucher or a prop stylist or... You know whatnot, and so uh, I do love doing it, but it's it's also something that you know if it's if it's complicated, that's when it's can be. I mean, if it's technically complicated, if there's just a lay, tons of layering and whatnot, that's when it becomes yeah a little too uh, a little a little challenging.
0: Yeah, definitely, it's always a challenge with editorial, the budgets and whatnot. Um, but but uh, that's a challenge in general now with the compositing work. Yeah, is
1: that. You know, now there's such a need for content now and for so many pictures that even on an ad job, you know, a client or an agency, like they don't want to spend a hundred grand and get one picture.
2: Mm.
1: And that used to not be as big of a deal, but now, you know, they need content for, you know, for let's say print out of home, social media, you know, um, other online advertising. So it's just like, there's just a, a huge need for content. So, you know, to do these one-off composites are, uh, are 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 pretty tough to to you know. Yeah, this, be cost-effective for yeah,
2: clients.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then it, it almost it takes up so much of your time, just like all the retouching and stuff. And it's like, uh, right? Yeah, if they don't want to pay for it, it's like it's a lot of time and effort that goes into all those things. Um, but yeah, one the one project I was gonna ask you about, which I think I think it was for Texas Monthly, was the Exoneree um, portraits that you shot. Was that was that for Texas Monthly?
1: That was for Texas Monthly, but that was uh, I actually shot that years ago. Okay, and I was I was looking through my archives um, a few weeks ago, and I was I was thinking. I came upon these. I'm like, gosh, these are so cool. I need to, I need to post these on Instagram.
2: Wow. And so I
1: kind of worked them, worked them into the schedule. So I mean, I shot those like, like six years
0: ago. Wow, that's crazy. Did you just shoot it for yourself?
1: No, no, it was for Texas Monthly. Okay. They were doing a story on, uh, on the Exonary Project. Okay. And so I, I, I went to Dallas and I ended up photographing like 20 of these guys and we did a big group shot and then I did a bunch of individual portraits.
0: Yeah, that I, I that was the first time I saw those when you kind of started posting them, I think a week or two ago. Um, I just found they were like such powerful portraits. Like, how was that project to work on? Um, was it hard for you in the magazine to kind of get these guys to agree to shoot? And how was kind of the process photographing these guys? Because, like, I mean, it seemed pretty like intense, like a story.
1: Yeah, it was intense. Um so the magazine had already they had been working on a story with uh the exonery project and so i think the exonery project and you know the um the magazine were both excited about getting this getting this work out there and creating awareness yeah. you know about this project about these these guys
0: yeah maybe you could and, describe like what the for people listening what is the exonery project
1: sure so the exonery project is um I believe it's actually a nationwide project that is helping um, free uh, men and women that have been uh, incarcerated or convicted of a crime or wrongly convicted of a crime. Yeah. And what's, you know, 20 years ago, even though they didn't have the technology to prove stuff, they did collect and keep DNA. Yeah. And so what, ha- what's happened um, over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years as they've been able to revisit the DNA and, um, prove that these, that these men and women were not were wrongly accused of, of something. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I photographed these guys, it was, you know, cause I do a lot of ad work and a lot of, a lot of staged work. And then this was, was far from that. Mm. And, and so it was a really, uh, um, I guess it was kind of an emotional project for me working with these guys because it was just, it was just heartbreaking. I mean, these guys had spent, uh, some of them had spent 20 plus years in prison for a crime that they did Damn, not commit.
0: That's wild.
1: And, you know, and I'm, and I'm sitting there, you know, you know, a couple feet away from these guys listening to them tell their story. and And even if they weren't telling their story, I could see it in their face and I could see it in their eyes. Yeah. And, and for me, that was, it was heartbreaking and it was touching, um, but it was also, you know, I also was hopeful too, you know, that these guys had been, been released and hopefully they're able to, hopefully they're able to, to move on and to, you know, function
0: yeah no they' we a member the of society, yeah they were an amazing series of photos like um one thing I was gonna ask you is like when you're photographing like I guess people like that and stuff, how do you kinda approach like uh portrait sessions like do you kind of have like a way you prepare or, like how do you kinda deal with subjects and stuff like that what's uh, to walk away with like a good photo do you have like a way you think you approach it
1: uh, It totally depends on the subject matter and what I'm gonna you know uh, what I'm going to be photographing it for.
0: Yeah. So but,
1: this, this for the Exoneree project, for example, it was something that I wanted to keep very simple and 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 clean and powerful. And so I I had like a softbox mounted directly overhead to create to sort of mimic the the lighting that was that would be in a prison so oh, this overhead smart. kind of fluorescent lighting. Yeah. Um I mean, it was softer, of course. And so I just and I wanted it to be consistent on all of the shots. Um, but for, and and as far as like directing these guys, there wasn't a lot of direction, um, for something like this. Whereas, whereas for my more, you know, advertising work, there's a, there's a whole lot more direction and specific.
2: Um,
1: there's a whole lot more specific direction on, you know, what we're looking for from them. It's almost treating that as like a, the advertising work almost treating it as a director Mm. and, you know, looking at MS subjects as, as actors that are kind of getting into a role.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting. And uh, one thing I think you, you've become pretty well known for, at least like I've seen a lot of your work, is you photographed a lot of animals. Um When did that kind of start and like uh cause it seems you looking at your website, you photographed everything from like lions to like crazy <laughs> birds like geckos man like uh how did that kind of start, and what do you kind of enjoy about photographing animals so that's been a, pr- uh a huge project over the last
1: few years, but it initially started <clears throat> maybe gosh maybe eight years ago um when uh, pentagram dj stout of pentagram design in austin Hmm. he i was doing these portraits of the people on these bright colored backgrounds that were all lit and they were pretty polished yeah and he came to me and he was like hey do you think we could do portraits of cows (laughs) on bright colored backgrounds and lit and so like create portraits of these cows and show their personality so to speak Hmm. and i was like yeah absolutely so we went to we went to, we went to Waco, um, Waco, Texas, which is right in between Austin and Dallas.
2: Yeah. And we
1: found somebody that had a bunch of show cows mm. and we photographed like eight cows over the course of a day. And with like all these different bright colored backgrounds.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I had, and I
1: had lighting and I had, you know, it was, a, it was <laughs> but we were in a barn too. So it was kind of a mobile studio setup. Okay. So I, I did that. And then that I, I did some promotions with that and that kind of, gained some recognition and, and got some traction and I did a few animal, you know, like dog and cat jobs here and there. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then I, then I ended up doing a, a day in studio. I always wanted to photograph predators. <laughs> and so I, I did a day in studio with uh, a lion, a tiger and a bear. So the, the wizard <laughs> of Oz trifecta.
2: Yeah.
1: And, um, that, that was really the start of this kind of, I guess, aesthetic. Yeah and this this kind of collection of of, of images mm. um so i did that and then over the course of the next few years i i photographed um almost 100 different animals Damn. either in studio or in a mobile studio setup mm.
0: have you had any... and
1: that yeah. what's that
0: no we're, i was just going to say uh have you had any like wild stories with the animals like kind <laughs> of loo- losing it on set like breaking lights or anything or <laughs>
1: Well, there's, I mean, there's always interesting stories with some of these animals. The, the first experience with, with the lion, tiger, and bear was just amazing because I hadn't been around animals, like true predators like that in a, yeah. in a closed, you know, in a studio setting. And mm. there's really just nothing like being that close to something <laughs> so powerful. Seriously. Um, and the, and the trainers that I was working with were just, were awesome. And so, um, you know, buttoned up as far as the security of the situation, but also the respect of the animal as well. Mm. And so, um, but I, I do have a story. I was photographing a mountain lion in, um, in Montana for this project and I was shooting him and he was on like a riser and I was sitting on like an apple box. So I was, I was trying to get kind of on his, his, his uh, eye line on his yeah. height. And you know, as, they're, as trainers are working with these animals, they're, they're feeding them. Just, just like you would give a dog a treat or a cat yeah. a treat yep. to, to, to motivate them to keep performing, so to speak. And mm-hmm. So they're feeding them like raw, raw chicken or raw meat off a stick. And what was just like any like domestic cat, these big cats, they use their paws in the same way that a domestic cat does. So they would, they would kind of grab the chicken. This mountain lion would grab the chicken with his paws off of the stick and just, you know, yeah. gobble it up really quick. Yeah. And at one point he swiped at this chicken and it actually popped off the stick and it fell down at my feet. Damn. And the mountain lion hops off the riser and comes down to get this piece of chicken at my feet. <laughs> and I just felt a rush of fear just engulf me, just come over me. It was, it was, Holy it was shit. just like <laughs> unbelievable And the trainer was right next to me. He knew I was kind of nervous with with this mountain lion. And he was like, don't worry. He's not going to breach me to get to you. He just wants the chicken. Yeah. And so, so he got the chicken, and then the trainer led him up back on top of the riser. And I was like, "I think we got the shot. We're yeah. good." <laughs> and that's you know that's part of the beauty of being a personal project I can I could kind of call the shoot whenever. Yeah. And uh, I was
0: like, "Okay, I'm good." <laughs> that's intense, man. Because like you're trying to focus on this like making an amazing photo, but then on on the other side of it, you have to be like in the back of your mind being like ready for anything that could go could go wrong. You know, uh, seems pretty oh, intense. <laughs> Um, but like, Absolutely. Yeah, I know how you mentioned that was a personal project. Um, is that something that's been important to you? Just to kind of keep doing personal projects in between all your uh, advertising work and stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, personal projects are always a really important, uh, an important thing. I'm, I'm sure that the other photographers that have been on your show have yeah. also, you know, expressed that. Hmm. Um, this has been one that that. <laughs> I, uh, this is the one that's gotten. I wouldn't say it's gotten out of control, but it's, um, I'm. I, I'm now wrapping it up. So uh, a couple of years ago, I approached uh, a few different publishers with a prototype of a of a of a book. Oh wow! And uh, Rizzoli New York was uh, was was very interested, and so I I signed with them, and we're finally to the point where this fall. Uh, I'm going to have a book of these animal portraits published, and so wow. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that's amazing. So i been the last six months. We've been I've been working with Pentagram Design in Austin, since designing the book, and we've been kind of you know working through that whole process. So I'm I I, I love the project, but I, I'm I've been so entrenched in it the last couple yeah. years that I'm I'm really looking forward to a new personal project. So I've been kind of brainstorming on that.
0: Wow, yeah, that's that's exciting. When when is the book going to come out? You think?
1: Uh, it's going to come out um this fall so probably around September or October.
0: Oh, awesome. That's exciting. I'll definitely uh keep my eyes peeled for that. And uh and another project I was kind of interested about um that you did was for L.L. L. Bean. I think it was like for their like 100 years, I think like anniversary mm-hmm. of the company. And it was a really cool shoot because you were like recreating like photos from like I think it was like an old catalog. Um how is it exactly. working? How is it working on that project? Because you're like trying to recreate something that they already created like a long time ago. Were there like any challenges with working on that project, and how was it?
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, the, how that all started is I, before the L.O.B. series, I did a series sort of um, of portraits. Uh, I'm sorry, of, of photographic homages to Norman Rockwell, yeah. and for just for my, for my portfolio. And then I did, uh, in collaboration with Texas monthly, we shot this picture of a family on a road trip in a Wagoneer. And that was also inspired by uh, a Norman Rockwell painting. Mm. And so I, the, um, some con, some of my contacts at GSD they showed LL L. Bean some of my work that I had done that was inspired by <clears throat> Norman Rockwell and Ella Bean saw, you know, they saw them, they, you know, they were like, well, what if we, what if we took, you know, four of our covers and what if we photograph photographically recreated them? Mm -hmm. And the covers that I'm talking about were covers that they had, they had commissioned artists in, it was all, it was like the late thirties through the Mm sixties and they were painted covers sort of like Norman Rockwell Saturday evening post covers. Yeah. And so they they approached me with these four paintings and they wanted to photographically recreate them. And, you know, as you can imagine, I was pretty excited to, to, to do this project, but it was also challenging, you know, when you're working, you know, so many painters, they work from a photograph and then they paint that photograph and they, they have you know, they take artistic license to make, you know, different, you know, adjustments and whatnot to the, to the painting. Mm -hmm. But I'm, for this project, I was working kind of the opposite of that. So I'm working from a painting and creating a photograph with it, which creates all, which is all kinds of unique challenges.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when someone is painting something that they've either worked from a photograph from or seen in their head, you know, the perspectives are all not the same and the lighting is not all the same. And the, it's just all these little things that like needed to be kind of tweaked and you know, finesse to make it look like the painting, um,
2: yeah.
1: you know, it makes for a very challenging project.
0: Yeah. Cause even like you guys got it down, like all the clothing and the props and everything was like, so on point. Um, was that kind of important to have like a good, did you guys have like a really good prop stylist to kind of help out that shoot? Cause that seemed like a major component to like recreating an, an image like that.
1: Yeah. We had an amazing prop and wardrobe stylist that was working on those who was, she, she pulled from old L.L. Bean, mm. um, uh, from their archives, and she also pulled from, um, you know, like thrift shops and whatnot in New York. Yeah. And so working, you know, collaborating with a team that was, you know, that could, that could help bring you to life was, was vital in that. But mm. I mean, the most challenging thing is like, you know, there ended up being a lot of Photoshop that had to be done to these yeah. to make them look like the painting. Mm. um
0: yeah no they're not
1: just kind of that's just kind of part of you know kind of going in this direction you know yeah. kind of recreating a painting
0: no i love them they came out awesome i think man like even all the thank like, you yeah the fish uh, were the fish alive when you were shooting them yeah yeah that,
1: yeah but you know we had they, they were so heavy though we had to shoot plates of it
0: okay so like the kid
1: the kid holding the the trout we actually had to shoot plates of like the like an adult holding the trout because you know those those three trout were so heavy
0: mm. yeah no i i love that series and i think you even did you did like a cover for i think it was field and stream and it was kind of similar yeah th- thing did was that be, did you kind of get do that after the Ella bean shoot you re- recreated like another old field and stream cover uh it was kind of similar thing
1: yeah, that so. That was that was about a year ago. And Field and Stream, they kind of came to me with a similar thing. They said they showed me this cover that they had, they had, they had, had commissioned in 1961, and it was a painting yeah. of this kid um, in a tent, and he's looking out the tent, and his dad is out there, you know, on the stream uh, fishing, and you know, pulling a trout out of the water.
0: Yeah, no, it was really, really cool
1: that was hugely challenging just because of the perspective, you know, you have, so you have these elements that are so close to the camera Mm. and you know, the closer these elements are to the camera, the, the, the more the perspective has to be, you know, dialed in perfectly.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And then looking at your website, I saw you also do uh, motion work. Um, Is that something you've been doing for a while? And, like, you kind of have a different approach to, like, the directing than you do your still stuff? Or how do you kind of approach those projects?
1: Yeah, uh, I have been doing motion for a little while. Uh, I've worked with a production company in Dallas, um, Charlie Uniform Tango. Mm. um, And they also do post-production. And I've been collaborating with them for quite a while. But as far as the process is concerned, uh, it's really similar because it's it's really similar to my advertising work. My mm-hmm. advertising work is, is, is so similar to, you know, it's all set up, you know, you're working with, you're working with, you know, a, you know, a, a production team, you're working with, you know, actors and actresses and, you know, these, these subjects that really kind of get into a role. And, and so transitioning into live action, uh, you know, it felt very natural to me. Um, and, and I think when it's, when the job comes up, when, you know, the client or agency is looking for a cohesive aesthetic from live action, you know, to stills or across all of the, you know, visual assets, yeah. then you know, that's when I think it really makes sense to have a, you know, have a photographer, you know, working on these live
0: action pieces. Yeah, definitely. Like, do you kind of have any... But like... I mean, as far as... I'm sorry. Uh, no, what are you going to say?
1: Well, as far as the only thing that's, that is a little, a little different is like, I'm relying a little bit more heavily on, you know, a great director of photography,
2: yeah. you
1: know, to communicate my, my vision. But I, but as photographers, we're so, we're so technical that I think it's, it's, it comes pretty naturally to communicate that vision to a, a DP, mm. you know, to talk about lighting and to talk about, you know, focal lengths and perspectives and overall aesthetics.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the,
1: the the toughest part of of creating a cohesive aesthetic across all digital assets or all all visual assets from live action to to print is is the you know the lack of ability to finesse a live action piece in post production.
2: Mm.
1: So you just have to get it, you know, really really dialed in, um, you know, in camera.
0: Yeah, definitely, and do you kind of have like any goals for your motion work or anything you're looking to pursue with that stuff?
1: Um, I, I think over time, uh, you know, I would just like to do, I would just like to do more of it and more directing. Mm. Um, but when it, when it complements the print work, you know, my heart is, um, it's always been in, you know, in stills. Yeah. And so when it complements the still, you know, the still work, I think that's when it's, that's when I'm a, you know, a really great match, a yeah. really great
0: fit. Yeah, that makes um, sense.
1: But the whole process of working with people, I mean, I, one of the things I love about what I do in photography is working with on-camera talent. And so that, that aspect of directing is, I, I absolutely love that aspect of directing and working with, working with the on-camera talent and just that process of, you know, getting them into a role and kind of working with them to, to just get it, you know, just collaborating with them and then the result, you know, is, is so rewarding.
0: Yeah. And with, like, all these big advertising shoots you do when it's, like, so many people involved with, like, your producer's assistants and all, like, the stylists and everything, like, what do you think is the key to, like, managing these big productions because there's, like, so many moving parts that are going on with, like, a lot of these shoots you're doing because they're, like, so stylized and everything.
1: Right. Um, I I mean, it's a couple things. I, I think you know, one of the things that I really try to do is I, I have an, like a kind of an obsessive eye on everything. Mm. So everything in front of the camera, I'm, I'm concerned about whether it's, you know, wardrobe, makeup, lighting, you know, props, yep. uh, set design, all these little elements are, are things that I'm like constantly looking at and constantly trying to be aware of. Mm. And then, from from there, I'm also trying. I also need. It's also important as an ad photographer to communicate um, with the agency and make sure that that their expectations are being met and they're getting what they need. Yeah. Um, you know, from the production, and then and then going back to my production team and you know further communicating what our needs are. Mm. So you know, it's a it's a huge collaboration, and the photographer or director, you know, along with the. the the producer is a, you know, is a, you know, play the leading role in that, in that collaboration.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And so the, the ability to, to communicate well and to work with, you know, people, whether they're on camera or whether they're your clients is, is really important.
0: Mm, for sure. And, um, one thing I was kind of interested about, I, I I talked to Margaret Lampert about it when I interviewed her. Um, you guys are both repped by uh, Marianne Campbell, um, your, your rep, and uh, you guys do this cool thing, the MCA Roadshow, where you guys, as the group of photographers, you guys kind of go out and show your portfolios together. Um, How has that experience been? Because I've never really seen any other agencies kind of do it that way. It seems really unique and kind of a fun experience.
2: It's
1: a great experience. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, the the photographer photographer camaraderie is is great within within our group, and I, I think it's great within, you know, just the community of photographers as a whole. I think it's important to, you know, <clears throat> even though in a lot of ways we're all competing against each other, yep. in a lot of ways we're also all on the same team, mm. and I, I think, you know, um, you know, the the saying a, a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm. Um I think that's true with you know with the collective group of photographers, especially with our kind of tight niche of of Marianne and Quincy's photographers. Yeah. Um so but that whole process of going on the road and you know, showing books, um, it's it's a fun process and I think it's a chance for a chance for clients to see, you know, the the roster um that Marianne and Quincy have put together and, you know, the, the shared, the commonalities of our um, personalities and work ethics, um, you know, client interactions and all that stuff. I think it's, it's really important. Um, It seems to be an idea that that's, that's starting to be copied though. So look out for that. Okay.
0: All right. (laughs) Uh, Uh, But I guess, I guess
1: invitation is the best form of
0: flattery. Yeah, definitely. So you think it's pretty important to still go out and show your work in person. You feel like that's a good way to just kind of market yourself still at this point in your career? I do. Yeah. And I still like,
1: I, yeah, I, I typically will will do, will go on the road by myself once a year and show my portfolios. Um, I love the process of, of showing my work and meeting new clients. And I think it's important that, you know, art buyers and creatives can, you know, can can meet you in person and get a sense of your personality, you know, what, so they can have an idea of what it's like to work with you. Because it's so much more than just what you have on, you know, on your website, that the process of working with a photographer goes well beyond just the images.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think like almost every job I've ever gotten is just usually from someone I've actually met in person. You kind of you kind of build a connection, you kind of learn about them, and definitely I think it helps a lot. Um Totally. And with like marketing your photography, is that something you still spend a lot of time thinking about and is it, how do do you have like a certain way you kind of approach it or is it kind of constantly changing um from year to year? How do you kind of attack marketing, I guess?
1: Well, I mean, I the I mean the base form of marketing, as far as a direct mail, is something that you know is kind of similar, you know, from year to year. Just yeah. doing consistent, you know, direct mail promotions. I think it's important. Mm. Um, but then, you know, there's of course the aspect of social media marketing and how do you, and how you tackle that. Yeah, and you know that's hugely important now to have a presence and you know, be effective with that. And,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: there's a lot of different ways to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's definitely part of, part of my marketing plan. And, and then, you know, another huge part of it is what's, what's your next personal project? What are you photographing next? And
0: mm-hmm. what does
1: that look like? And how does that fit into your brand and how does that fit into the evolution of
0: your style and yeah. Um, whatnot? Yeah, definitely. Do You kind of got any personal projects on the horizon or anything you're kind of um, thinking about?
1: Well, we just shipped the animal book to to the printer
0: last, last
1: week, and so i'm I'm finally now at a point where i'm I'm ready to devote some time to figure out what the next personal project is so it's mm. been it's been pretty time consuming getting the the yeah. book to the publisher and getting everything like we want it definitely and so i i'm I'm excited now to kind of be thinking about
0: yes that's it no, that's what ex- my next project is yeah, that's exciting man and uh I guess just to kind, yeah just to kind of wrap up like um in a competitive business like like photography is like what kind of keeps you going and kind of keeps you uh wanted to do this um what kind of keeps you inspired i guess
1: i think you know i think it just comes down to uh, you know uh really a you know a, a passion for what i'm doing mm. um that passion for photography that that keeps you going the fact that like the fact that i have a a job that's not a job keeps me going.
2: Yeah, definitely. And,
1: you know, n- not not every assignment is easy. Um, you know, all assignments have their challenges. Mm. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm using a camera to make a living. And that, I feel pretty, pretty lucky to be doing that. And so that, like, sense of, of, of gratitude, I guess, and that, you know, that kind of deep down passion for what I'm doing, mm. that, that keeps me going. And that keeps me um, – it kind of keeps me – in motion, I guess, as far as, you know, constantly shooting new stuff and constantly evolving and constantly trying to meet, you know, and exceed client client expectations.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Well, uh, Randall, man, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on here. I really appreciate it. Um, it was a real pleasure getting, getting a chance Thanks for having me. No, definitely. And um, I guess for people listening, where's the best place to check out your work?
1: Uh, my website's com, and it's, it's all there. And then I'm uh, at randalford on Instagram.
0: Perfect. I'll link it, and people can go check it out there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, great to talk to you. No, thank you. Perfect. Well, let's cut it there. So there you have it. That was the Randall Ford interview. I want to thank Randall so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure getting to speak with him about all his work and everything he's done within photography. I've been following his work for years, so definitely a real treat getting to talk to him. Um, definitely urge you guys to go check out Randall's website at randalford.com. Lots of cool photos up there and different projects he's been working on over the years. So definitely go check that out. And uh, yeah, going forward, just wanted to let you know, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday. On iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as on my website alexgagnephoto.com and on my Instagram at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.